Well, in just a moment, we're going to get into the Word, but as we do, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, long before we knew anything about the coronavirus, I had already asked someone else to speak this morning. So as a result of that, I do want to at least introduce him to you. Uh, this is an individual who I have been familiar with for about seven years. Seven years ago, I was pastoring at a church in Pennsylvania, living in Delaware at the time, but we had an individual come to us. His name is Jonathan, and Jonathan came to us really escaping a lifestyle of addiction. God had delivered him. Uh, I will not tell you that it has always been easy. There are times that he has gone back, but uh, he has been here with us for almost five years now. I think that that is pretty close. Maybe it's just over five years, but he has been here for a long time. And since he moved down to South Carolina, God has opened up incredible doors in his life. This man who at one point had been defeated by addiction, his entire life in many ways was not what he dreamed it would be. God has given him far more than he ever dreamed possible. Uh, Jonathan will be graduating in December with a degree in Christian ministries where he will be a pastor in a church. And to think that God could take someone who had lived the life that Jonathan had lived for so long and redeem him ought to give all of us hope because if God can do it through Jonathan, then God can do it through you and he can do it through me. And we celebrate that. And uh, as Jonathan comes, I do want to be able to pray for him, but I also want to encourage you as he comes, he is not coming to fulfill some requirement with his practicum where he's trying to do something that the school is requiring. God has anointed him to bring the message today. So allow God to speak through him today into your life. Let's pray. Father, I pray today for Jonathan, and I pray that you would use the message you have laid on his heart to challenge each of us that we might be changed and we might be made new. Use him today as your instrument. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Jonathan. Well, thank you, Pastor Mike. Um, it's a pleasure to be with you guys today, even though, uh, you know, we get to worship together but apart. And these are uh, definitely some uh, strange days, I would say, perplexing at the, at the least. Um, but God is still good, and Jesus is still Lord and King. Amen. That's for all you ameners at home. You can still do that there. Um, so as I was saying, during this time and some strange days, I call them, one of the greatest comforts to me is that God never changes, right? He, everything else around us may change, our circumstances and everything may change, but he never does. So I'm just grateful for that, and that brings me great comfort. I hope it comforts you as well. Um, I'm just going to get straight into it, though. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me. We will be reading. We will be reading from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. So today I have the privilege of sharing with you about the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem. So for those who are not familiar with the church calendar, that is what we call Palm Sunday, which marks the beginning of Holy Week or the week leading up to Easter Sunday. So let's go ahead and, and, and begin reading from uh, chapter 21, 
verses 1, the triumphal entry. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. And tie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble, and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed. They brought the donkey and the colt and put them, and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So what we see here is, Jesus Christ actually reveals himself according to Scripture. So the first thing I want to draw to your attention is the question posed in the text that we just read. The people asked, they wanted to know, who is this? At first glance, it seems that Jesus does not actually speak to this questioning. But Jesus does answer this question. Though very discreetly, he does answer now, looking back at the passage, you may be a bit confused, and you might say, well, where does Jesus answer this question? Let's take a look at what is happening here. First, let's take a look at the significance of how Jesus came into Jerusalem. He came in riding on a donkey. There are a couple of reasons this strikes me as important. You see, this is the only time where Jesus actually is riding anywhere in the Bible. Everywhere else he is walking. So there's something significant about that. This event is mentioned also in every single gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So that makes it especially important as well. So You know, it takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. We need to be sure that we read the Old Testament along with the New Testament the full counsel of God. So to understand the significance of this event, we need to refer to the Old Testament. So I'm going to read from the Old Testament in Zechariah 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous, and having salvation is he, humble, and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea, from river to the ends of the earth. What we see here in this scripture is Christ, again, revealing his true identity through the word of God. So the people were asking, who is this? And Jesus was proclaiming who he was 
by fulfilling the messianic prophecy openly and publicly for all to see. You know, Christ could have Um, he could have had a whole host from heaven come down, right? He could have and, and declared his kingship, and, and, and nobody would have missed it. But Jesus Christ made a point to arrive on a donkey, not because he was tired or wore out from his journeys, but so that they would know that he was the king, bringing salvation, and will speak peace to the nations. It was his way of announcing who he is. The Savior has come, Right? The Savior is here. Again, I want to emphasize that he chose to reveal himself through the very word of God. And he reveals himself to us in this very same way today. And we cannot miss that. Jesus reveals, I want you to open the word of God, read the word of God, and believe the word of God, and you will know him. You see, he reveals himself through scripture as the Messiah. The one is that the one who is worthy of our worship because of who he is. He is worthy of our true worship. So there's something here that I cannot leave unaddressed as I go through. Um, you, you notice that those in the crowd in the scriptures we read in Matthew were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, which is an expression of adoration and praise. And he is worthy of that praise and worship because of who he is. However, you see, these people, they were, not, they were not praising him because they recognized him as the Messiah and Savior from sin. They welcomed him because they thought he was the Savior that would deliver them from the Roman oppression that was upon these, these people at that time. So as we will find out on Good Friday, some of, these, some of these very same people who were yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna from the crowd, will be some of the very same people who will be yelling, crucify him, crucify him from this, that crowd. You see, those in that crowd had expectations and hope in Jesus because they thought he was going to make their life better change their circumstances, that they could be living their best life now type of attitude. They wanted him to change their lives. They didn't realize he came to change their hearts, to give them a whole new life altogether. So when they began to realize that Christ did not come to remove the oppression of the Roman Empire over them, guess what they did? They turned on him. Let me ask you this. Do you ever get frustrated at Jesus because he's not meeting your expectations? How about when he doesn't change your circumstances? How do you respond? Do you often get frustrated with Christ as if he doesn't give you what you think is best for you? If you are following Jesus because... You hope that he will fix your marriage, your finances, or change your circumstances because you are unhappy. If you follow him because you think he will give you your best life now, then let me tell you, my friends, that is something that we call idolatry. 
and the position of your heart is in no better shape than those who were yelling, crucify him, crucify him from the crowds. So we need to follow Christ for the sake of who he is, not for what he can do for us, not for what he can do for you. We worship him because he is worthy. He is worthy of your worship because of who he is. We should be living a life that, that is full of worship, right? He desires dedication, not just on Palm Sunday, which is actually the beginning of Holy Week. I want to um, share some scripture from you uh, in Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, we as followers of Christ should have the passion and desire to live holy every week, day in, day out, 52 weeks a year. Worship is not just something that, you know, we we gather together, we sing uh, some hymns, some spiritual songs, and then we go back out into the world as if nothing happened. Author Tim Keller quotes, God directs his people not simply to worship, but to sing his praises before the nations. We are called not simply to communicate the gospel to non-believers. We must also intentionally celebrate the gospel before them. We need to be celebrating the gospel each day, whether we're at work, whether we're at home, school, quarantined. May we hear the word of God and go and live the word of God, not just because we think it is our duty, but because we love Jesus Christ with our whole heart. And we will do so with the thought when we're out there or wherever you are, you will do so with the thought that he is worthy. He is worthy of a surrendered life. He is worthy of a surrendered life because of who he is. So I got a fun story that I'm going to share, uh, a little story about surrendering. So I don't know if any of you um, have ever been skiing before, but I have. (laughs) And uh, one time, and it was very memorable. So I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I was... uh, with some friends, and man, they knew what they were doing. These guys were pretty experienced. So they tricked me, and uh, the slopes are, if you've ever been skiing or not, anyway, the, the, scopes are, the slopes are given grades based on their level of difficulty. So I should have been down on the bunny slopes as a beginner, but my friends put me on a double black diamond trail the hardest slopes on the mountain. First time skiing, remember this. There was poor visibility and moguls everywhere. Which are those bumps you hit going down? 
So look, I had no business being on this double black diamond. But I was young and dumb, and I thought I was invincible until I started down this mountain. And I found out that I was not. I was so afraid. And so a very short distance down, I don't know, quarter, halfway down, not even halfway, I just gave up and I gave in. Man, I bent over, I popped my skis off, and I started the dangerous and difficult uh, climb back up the mountain. So as I'm climbing up, remember the visibility is terrible. So I have all these advanced skiers like flying by me and using choice words as I hear them yelling how stupid I am, like fading into the, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, that was a memorable moment for sure. But by the time I reached the top, I realized the safer option would have been just to surrender to the slope and complete the trail. But true surrender is scary, right? So though it seemed like surrender to give up and climb back up the mountain, it was actually me tightening my grip on my perceived control of the situation. True surrender would have been to glide down that trail, letting gravity guide me in the right direction, and then maneuvering around the obstacles or whatever was in my path. So there's a reason why I'm telling you this story. It's to illustrate how outward surrender doesn't necessarily mean true surrender. For instance, as Jesus entered into that city, all the people began laying down palm trees or palm branches and cloaks to welcome Jesus, their hopeful Messiah. Doing this at that time was a sign of submission and surrender to the king. There's only one problem. That day, the people who were laying down their cloaks and palm branches in two days' time, they were the very same people who would be laying down their hope in the Messiah and trudging along on what they perceived to be a better, safer path. You see, outward surrender is laying down your cloak. True surrender is laying down your life, surrendering your heart. So the difference between me surrendering to them slopes skiing and us surrendering to Christ is that on the slopes, my security and safety depends on my ability to navigate my way down. But when we surrender to Christ, we become fully dependent on him to guide our steps and lives. It's not up to us. Though surrender is scary, once we let go, we experience the indescribable hope and peace of Christ. So how do we surrender our lives to Christ? How do we have access to this indescribable hope and peace that I am talking about? We need to understand something. We cannot possibly do enough good deeds to ever come close to achieving the perfection it requires. I don't care how good you think you are. It's not good enough without the sacrifice of Christ on that cross for you. So this is how we have access. God sent his son, his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. 
He was nailed to that cross and died in suffering for us to be washed and cleansed from our sins. He was buried, and praise be to God, was resurrected on the third day so that we may have life and access to God in heaven so that we will be made new, and the past is gone. Behold, all things will be made new. So this is the gospel. And I pray that if anyone out here today, if there's anybody out here today that does not believe this, and they have not repented of their sins, that they will not wait for tomorrow, because tomorrow may not come. So I'm pleading that if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, the word of God says, all who call out to him will be saved. So I pray, and I'm pleading for you to call out to him today if you don't know Christ. Repent and believe. Uh, talk to someone here. Talk to myself, the staff here. They'll be more than willing to speak to you. I don't care. You can uh, message me, call me, Facebook me, whatever, Instagram me. I don't know. Whatever it takes. I'll be more than willing to talk. So please don't hesitate. I just need you to know that it's never too late. And as long as you have breath, you have hope. So there is nothing that you have done that is outside of the grace of God. You see, God doesn't look down at our good works and say, well, there's a good person, I want him. And there's a good person, I want her. No, God, God examines the heart. And if you are in a relationship with Christ, that heart will be covered with the blood of Christ. Then God will say, there is a holy and righteous person that loves me, and I love them. Jesus is revealing himself today through the word of God. He reveals himself as the one, as the only one worthy of our worship for one reason, because of who he is. He is worthy to be worshiped. And because of who he is, we are totally safe to surrender ourselves totally unto him. So I'm praying to anybody that heard this message that they will surrender their hearts today. And don't wait because he is worthy. So let's pray. Ah, gracious God, you are so worthy. Lord, we are, you are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise. Thank you, Christ, for redemption and making us, made uh, all things made new. Lord, you're such an amazing God that you redeem our past, our present, and our future. You're already there. You, you, you make all things new. Only God can make a past new. So we praise you for that, God. Lord, your ways are so much higher than ours. And Lord, may we never, ever think that you are not worthy to be praised. But Christ, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the days to come ahead of us. God, may we never forget what has happened on that cross and the resurrection, Lord. 
So our God is alive. Christ, you are alive. You are risen, and we praise you. So thank you for this time together. Uh, and yes, just be with us as we go now. I pray this all in the power of the Holy Spirit. And in Christ Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.